Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. To bring in now Peter Schrager, good morning football, and also sidelines for Fox Sports. And Peter, before we even get into the NFL draft, this Brady versus Belichick versus Kraft drama doesn't seem like it's going anywhere Brady kind of dropped a bunch of bombshells, I would say, especially when you consider it's Tom Brady and he usually doesn't give you much fodder, particularly in the offseason. How surprised were you by these quotes and how does this situation resolve itself? It's a great question. It's great fodder for shows like ours, and we're going to be talking about it in about 20 minutes on air, online on NFL Network. But the, uh, you know, thing, this is brewing. This has been brewing for a while. The one that stuck out the most for me is not the plea, the fifth comment that everyone's running with today about, you know, whether or not. He feels appreciated. The thing that really stuck out to me is that Brady would reveal that he was not aware of Malcolm Butler being benched before the Super Bowl or even during the Super Bowl, and that he didn't think about it or realize it till afterwards. Because what that is, that's opening the doors to the locker room. That's something that those guys have been sacred with, and that's him basically saying, "Here are the nuclear codes," and I'm telling you, I don't know them. No one knows them. Only that guy knows them. And there's obviously some communication issues, which shows a little. I guess a crack in the system to me. I, you know, the plea the fifth thing was also followed by a long and kind of drawn out explanation about how everyone wants to be appreciated and loved and da 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 da. But if you watch that Facebook Tom versus Time thing, there's a lot to be taken away from that, that content there. This is a guy who has kids who are 10, 5, and 8 and really wants to devote his offseason to spending time with them. And that's not usually in line with the Patriot way. Here's what he said in response about the Malcolm Butler getting benched. I wish he would have played, but the coach decided not to play him, and we still have a chance to win. Still had a chance to win. Uh, I'll say this. For a team, this side of the room is the offense, and this side is the defense. We don't interfere with them much. I didn't know Malcolm kept coming over to me during the game and was like, come on, TB, let's go. And I kept going, what defense are we in where Malcolm's not on the field? Is it short yardage, goal line? And then after the game, I found out, so I just didn't know. 
And I asked Malcolm, and Malcolm said, I don't know. Coaches just decided something different. I said, okay. So I don't know what was part of that decision-making, but I know we were trying to win the game. I don't think we were trying to do anything but win. Uh, asked, uh, asked for his opinion on uh, Butler. Uh, I haven't gone and discussed those things. Do you know why he didn't play? Would you like to tell me? Uh, Brady said he hasn't gotten any explanation. Jim Gray, who was interviewing them, asked Brady if Patriots fans deserve an explanation. I don't know, he said. That's probably a better answer for the guy who owns our team. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, that's pretty – I mean, when you think about the, the Patriots have been team no drama, at least publicly, for a long time. For Brady, uh, at the very end of April, beginning of May, when he's skipping the mini camps and the, and the workouts and everything else to drop these statements – this is something we really haven't seen before surrounding the Patriots. And isn't that isn't that more snackable content to you than the other stuff? I know the other stuff got all the the headlines yesterday, but I saw that and I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa now wait a second. He's not only talking about Belichick; he's talking about Kraft too. Um, he was on a camel in Cutter the first day of voluntary training camps, and everyone says, "Well, you know, come on, it's the vol- he doesn't miss those Clay. He missed them a couple times in the in the 2009 2010 season because he was building a home out in California. He lives in Boston now. There full year. There's this. There's a lot to this, but I will say this: he was not a fan of the Garoppolo situation looming. And I know Belichick was a fan of Garoppolo. Garoppolo was traded for a second round pick in the same year where Brandon Cooks was able to get a first round pick. So they had to sell Garoppolo. 30 cents on the dollar essentially at the trade deadline because they had to get that resolved before he was out the door and then they just went seven rounds and drafted in the seventh round a project quarterback out of LSU instead of packaging trade trading something getting one of the top prospects so Brady at 41 is in a quarterback's room with Josh McDaniels who's his quarterback whisperer and Brian Hoyer who's no threat I think Brady does have the last laugh here so how many years does Brady have left? If I gave you over or under two, are you going over or under? I'm going to go over because he's invested financially so much in this TV 12 method, and I think there is something to it that everyone says, how is he still doing it at 41? Then it's going to be, how is he still doing it at 42? Like, there's, there's now books, there's now, you know, living methods, there's now a food line. As long as he is still playing and in tip-top shape, that thing is a, a vibrant brand. If he retires or leaves the game – then he becomes kind of like just the name on the brand. I think he wants this thing to be a livelihood, and I think he wants to be a businessman with it. That's what I think he wants to do post-career, kind of make this TB12 uh, lifestyle really into a, a functioning and successful lifestyle brand. And to do that, you got to play to unheard of years, 43, 44, 45. Then you can say, you know, I did it at this level. I don't think he's ever going to get bored of this, and I also think there's a financial interest in him staying around. We're talking to Peter Schrager at P. Schrags on uh, Twitter. You can follow him there. You can watch him on Good Morning Football, Sidelines for Fox Sports. Uh, NFL Draft, what jumped out at you about the quarterbacks? Were you particularly enamored of any quarterback decision that a team made? And any other couple of things that to you were big storylines that could have an impact in 18 in terms of what happened in the draft? Well, if it, it shows you just how much... Um... I can, or just how these things differ. My quarterbacks going into this thing were Rosen one, Allen two, Darnold three, Mayfield four, and they went in the inverse order. And I don't consider myself some idiot throwing stuff at the wall. That's from watching a lot of football and talking to people. So it went in a different order than some people expected. And the Mayfield thing is going to be interesting. And we had Dan Orlovsky, the former quarterback. Yeah, he's great. On our show We've had him, had him on the <laughs> show too. He's good, and he had a great point. He said. 
here's what makes the Mayfield pick so surprising. He doesn't look like a first overall quarterback. He's a six foot guy who doesn't have the look and the feel of it. So if it fails miserably, every fan can say, well, of course it didn't work out. You drafted a six foot quarterback first overall who was arrested last year. Like, of course not. And then that puts the franchise and the ownership and the general manager under fire. If you had drafted Josh Allen or Sam Darnold and those guys don't work out, you almost have an excuse. It's almost like it's on them. Like, hey, like, look, everyone thought Sam Darnold was the number one pick. Or Josh Allen's this big physical body. We know how far he can throw the ball. Like, I'd put my bets on that. So I almost respect Cleveland for putting their eggs all in one basket and saying, hey, Mayfield's our guy, regardless of what you think and regardless of what he looks like and regardless of what the prototypical number one quarterback is. When you look at the rest of the draft, do you buy into Saquon Barkley making a big difference for the Giants already up top? And what else did stood out to you kind of at the very top of the draft or beyond from guys that you thought, I see this guy coming in and he's going to be a difference maker? Yeah, Saquon's going to make an impact right away. Like I think he's like going to be one of the top five running backs next year, just based on the fact that they draft him that high and they'll use him and they'll make sure they get their investment until he gets hurt, at least. I mean, that's that's the case. I think Sony Michelle in New England is going to do crazy things. They're going to use him in a wonderful way. Um, my one of my takeaways from the draft because it was such a rush those three days. Who and why and what was behind the release of the Josh Allen tweets Thursday morning? Like we're going to walk away from that. He went seventh overall. He was, draft status wasn't really harmed and he'll address it with his team and I don't think there's going to be some great fallout but that could have really altered the history of the NFL if he slipped dramatically and ends up being a great quarterback and it also could have really changed uh you know the draft itself but it didn't so I'm wondering not so much and I'm you know, the tweets are inexcusable I, I mean no one is going to stand behind the tweets and the words that were used that said who at Yahoo was the writer? Who fed the guy? Was it a rival agent? Was it a rival team? Was it a uh, a person who has some vendetta against Josh Allen? This will never be explored. It'll be moved on, and it'll just be another story that ESPN started their day with and made headlines with. But to me, it's, okay, let's do a full investigation of who this sick pup is who went through 9,500 tweets from six years ago from a player who's a 21-year-old kid entering the NFL draft and then waited till the morning of the draft to release them to a website and to ESPN. Like, I, to me, that's the stuff that fascinates me. Like, wh- what is the impetus? Why would someone be so um, interested in doing that? And then furthermore, like, how do we just let it go? And be like, well, okay, well, that's what that was. Move right along. Hey, I love I love that aspect, too. I mean, I always tell people, don't just look at what the stories are. Think about why the stories are what they are, how they happen. Read stories aggressively. All those questions you just asked are good ones. Uh, I don't know what you and your co-host make. Um, you have a great show, Good Morning Football. You guys can check it out on the NFL Network. Uh, but I'm betting it's a little bit less than $15 million a year, which is what... Bit. A little bit less, yeah. Michelle Beadle, what uh, what Jalen Rose and what Mike Greenberg are making now for their new ESPN show. You guys are a little while in now. You started around the same time we started this show. Yep. Uh, how much satisfaction have you guys had in the growth of your show? And when you look at its success compared to a show that I'm told costs $35 million a year in Get Up that obviously has not gotten very many people up, uh, does it make you feel even better about what you guys are getting done? I've never seen their show, not for a second. I've never seen a tweet about their show, so I can't comment on their show. I don't know. I've honestly never seen even a segment um, on Twitter or anything, so I can't comment on their show because we're on the air at the same exact time. I do know that our show started off up against the odds in a different way. No one was talking about our salaries, I assure you that, but 
there's also some, you know, who are, who are these for? Like, what is this show? What is the NFL Network trying to do? Just give me the highlights. Um, and it took a little time, but now we have what we feel is the best, the best sports show, not only in the morning, but on television. We love what we do, and the four of us get along, and the producers are awesome. So we're in a great groove right now, and it kind of, we had this cool opportunity before the draft where, like, we used our show to introduce America to these prospects, like, and not just, you know, the typical hip swivel and throwing motion. Like, we went down the rabbit hole. We're like, all right, Josh Allen could be an air, uh, Josh Rosen could be an arrogant jerk. Here are examples why. Baker Mayfield, everyone's against Baker Mayfield. Here are the people that Baker Mayfield has on this list. And, like, they become caricatures of themselves even. And then by the time the draft comes along, our audience knows who they are. What I'm trying to say is it's not just the typical – surface level stuff we have time to really delve in and the audience freaking loves it like we have a great great like fan base just like the outkick fan base is where it's passionate and that's their first first place they go to in the morning and then you know it bears it bears it out the ratings are up huge we're having a great time doing it and you know at the very least uh we know that we've got an audience to fulfill and that we're going to give our, our best every day i Again, I've never seen their show. Um, we are not threatened by, I don't think, any other show in the morning because we're just confident what we are. Last question for you. I know you got to get ready. What does it mean for the NFL? What does it mean for the NFL that they were able on the draft to outrate the highest-rated first-round NBA playoff game in 14 years? Well, it sounds like I've got hubris or some arrogance here, but like, come on. I, I don't want to read any more about how the NFL is dying or anything. The NFL is the greatest reality show in sports. Um, it's the greatest reality show on television in the NFL draft. It's a bunch of guys having their names read off envelopes, uh, and it outrated an NBA basketball game. And I think the ratings and the interest and the Twitter buzz and whatever else, um, that's what matters. And the money matters, and the people that are coming to these games matters. Not what you're reading online and not what you're reading from the media about the NFL and the future of the NFL. Good stuff, as always. Peter Schrager, go follow him on Twitter, at P. Schrager. You can see him on television. Good morning football every morning with his crew. They do great work. Thanks, my man. You're the man. Appreciate it, Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We're talking with Alex Marvez. We do every single Tuesday, usually an hour or two. And, Alex, we've been talking a lot about the Tom Brady comments uh, and the Belichick rift, potentially. These guys have been together for a long time. Brady says he's got permission from his wife to play for two more years now. Uh, What is going on with their relationship between Brady and Belichick? Is this something that Patriot fans and NFL fans should be paying attention to? Is it overblown? What's the situation here from your perspective? Oh, it is not overblown. Clay, we got 31 starting quarterbacks around the league in with our team right now. Tom Brady, the only one who isn't there. And you're talking about trying to, you know, from the top on down, right? Tom Brady was always the guy who bought into what it was the Patriots were doing, even if it was at at the expense maybe of he'll take less money so the team could continue to thrive under the salary cap, uh, you know, that type of stuff. To, you know, this was the guy who used to lift weights with the defensive linemen. He had the parking space closest to the locker room at Gillette Stadium because of his participation in the offseason workouts. It was one of the perks that the Patriots gave. And now, yeah, well, you know, I got a family and I'll show up and, you you know, I just want to ignore the kids, so we'll all travel to Cutter and, and then come back, and I'll go to a conference in California. But listen, buy my TV12 products because you know if you if you don't you don't even need to have sunscreen if you just drink enough water 
Everything's great. So while Tom is spouting all this new age gaga, you know, the Patriots are trying to put a winning product on the field. Tom Brady's not buying into what Bill Belichick's selling. Rob Gronkowski's not, not buying into what Bill Belichick is selling anymore. He's not there for off-season workout programs. And what you have there is this schism, to borrow a phrase from Adam Schefter that he popularized, that, you know, has, I think is happening where, okay, if you're an offensive player for the Patriots, and, you know, you've got a decision to make here. Okay, do I go with Tom Brady? Do I use his training methods? Am I trying to be around Tom as much as I can? You know, while he's overtraining with, with Alex Guerrero, his Svengali guru, uh, Tony Robbins pitch man, uh, p- selling this TB12 stuff, am I going to try to be close to Tom so I've got a good spot with him? You know, because if I'm not in a good spot with Tom, maybe I'm not in a good spot in the offense. But if I, if I go with Tom, then what am I doing to Coach Belichick, right? What, what happens there? Is Bill going to frown upon me? Is he going to make my life miserable? I mean, think about how this can, can just destroy a team and make players just wonder, what, what do we do here? This is a big deal for the New England Patriots. I'm not saying that it's going to necessarily prevent them from rolling through the AFC again, but I think it is the start of some real serious cracks in this foundation that they just can't seem to repair. When you hear all of these quotes, and I think it all ties in with the decision about Garoppolo, the big story that ESPN had that I think was mostly accurate about the division in the Patriots locker room. Obviously, the Patriots still went to the Super Bowl. They still had a good chance to win that Super Bowl. Yeah. Brady and Belichick have been to eight. Do you think that Brady and Belichick will go to another Super Bowl together? I think this is the beginning of the end. The, the thing that I'm, I'm struggling with, though, here, Clay, who's going to step up? and challenge them in the AFC. If this is the NFC, I've got about four or five teams that I'm like, you know what, this potential Super Bowl team, this is a potential Super Bowl team. Who do we like in the AFC? Is it the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that can't get out of its own way when they're playing the New England Patriots? Can't get out of their own way, period, with all of the the, uh, off-field drama that that transpired with this franchise last year. Uh, You know, is it the Jacksonville Jaguars? Do we feel good that, you know, Blake Bortles is going to take the next step in his career? I mean, the the running game should theoretically be better. The defense added some more help. I mean, this is a team that's loaded for bear, but guess what? They had very few injuries last year. Are we going to expect that they're going to go through the season again like that? And is this the type of club that now that no one's sleeping on the Jags, they're going to be facing a lot stiffer you know, opposition. I just, you know, there's no one in the AFC East that excites you, right? That's going to topple the Patriots. They've won an NFL record nine straight division titles. You know, your Tennessee Titans. I'm just not so sure. Marcus Mariota, how much of an improvement is there going to be in him? I guess it can't get much worse than last year, right? But I mean, the thing is, is he going to get better right now under this new offensive system being brought in by Mike Vrabel and his staff? I mean, and in the AFC West, what's that? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, the Raiders have a ways to go before they can get their act together. We always talk about the L.A. Chargers. On paper, they look great, but it never comes to fruition. So that's why I can't totally dismiss it. I mean, that's the whole thing. You know, again, who's going to catch up with these guys? But, wow, it looks like this team is just, from a team standpoint, a bonding standpoint, it just looks like it's not the Patriots' way. Do you think that Brady will ever play for somebody other than Bill Belichick? Well, this is up to Robert Kraft, because who's, who's Robert Kraft going to choose in all this? Right now, he's tried to play the peacemaker, right? Didn't he bring these guys in after the season and said, we had a conversation? Well, obviously, neither side budged, you know, and now you have the, the quarterback who isn't there. I mean, it, I don't think Bill, you know, look, I could see Bill leaving before Tom. And that gets to be a mess a little bit for the Patriots as well, because then you get one more season out of Tom, I guess, maybe two, depending. And listen, it may even be Tom if his play slumps this season. Well, then, then suddenly, why do the Patriots want to stick with him? 
Are they going to move on to another quarterback? And listen, they have built up the equity for the 2019 NFL draft to be able to jump up and get whatever quarterback prospect is there that people are excited about at the time. So it's a, it's a tricky situation. I, can I see Tom Brady playing one more year somewhere else? Probably not. I would imagine he would just call it a career because of all the family situation. They're pretty entrenched where they are right now. They're living a life the way that they want to live it. I just think it's going to be with the Patriots, and then he'll be done. But that's not that he... He couldn't play elsewhere necessarily. I just think because of where he's at with his family right now, it'll be Patriots or bust. But again, I don't think that Tom Robert Kraft has already said that Tom Brady's going to get to call his own shot with this team. And when when he's done, I mean, think about that, and think about the position that puts Bill Belichick in. I mean, that that's the whole thing. These egos that are involved here in the direction of this team, it is a deal that Robert Kraft. I don't think he can put that genie back in the bottle. Do you think that both these guys would like to, in an ideal world? play Brady for another coach, Belichick coach another quarterback like he did Matt Castle for that one year to both prove ego-wise that they don't need the other guy in order to succeed. I love it. And then at the end, you know, whoever, we go through this one season like this and then everything goes back to normal, right, just so we see that who's right and who's wrong. I mean, my goodness. I mean, and that's the thing, too. I mean, I think that Bill thinks that he could compensate for not having Tom Brady. It obviously wouldn't be the same team, but he would adjust, right? I mean, this is what Bill Belichick has done through the years. Look at how the, the Patriots offense has evolved. I mean, initially it was Tom Brady handing off to Antoine Smith and Corey Dillon. Then it started to gradually become Tom Brady's team. Well, maybe in time now they can go back to being a running team, trying to play defense and just being smarter and more mistake-free than everyone else, and that'll get them to where they want to be, just like the 2001 Patriots did when they won a Super Bowl. As for Brady, would he have success somewhere else? Well, you know, he's listen, with his Patriots offensive line, and you saw the investment that they made, Isaiah Wynn, the Georgia guard, is going to apparently play tackle for them with his alligator arms. He's one of the guys they picked in the first round, and they trade for it all six foot eight and 320 pounds of former Gator Trent Brown, their new right tackle from the 49ers. And, you know, they're looking to protect Brady, but, you know, where is he at right now? Where is this offensive line at right now at the tackle positions? He may end up getting bombarded as well. That's one of the things the Patriots have traditionally taken care of him as far as the protection goes. I don't know if Tom Brady went to another team. Would he have that? Would he, would he be able to operate the same type of offense and have the same type of success? I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to find out, but let me just say that if this keeps going the way it's going, inevitably something's got to change, right? If this team doesn't have the same sustained success, whether it's Bill Belichick saying, you know what, I'm out of here, which he's done before, just as the New York Jets, or, or Brady just saying, I'm sick of this and retiring. Yeah, Belichick, I mean, I think if you look at what he's done when he hasn't had Brady, he went 11-5 and with Matt Castle. They missed the playoffs that year because it was just a tough break. There were so many yeah. good teams, but they went 11-5 and in the year that Brady missed. And then also when you look at, uh, at the four-game suspension that Brady served, I believe the Patriots went 3-1, and one, and that Correct. was after the Garoppolo injury. Uh, the guy was good enough to win with Jacoby Brissett, who later he would trade. So if you do the math there, if my math's correct, that's 14-6 and six in 20 games without Tom Brady, which is very similar, frankly, to the record that he has with Brady. So for the Belichick people out there saying Belichick's the greatest coach of all time, I think that's true. I think the only knock you can make on Belichick is, yeah, but it's because he was with the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> what would these guys have actually been capable of if they were never paired together? It's a fascinating sports uh, hy- uh, hypothesis that we'll never know the answer to. I don't really think so. Okay, let's. Uh, we're talking to Alex Marvez at Alex Marvez on uh, Twitter. Go follow him there. I want to pivot into the NFL draft. What to you were the biggest storylines coming out of the draft? What did you think about the quarterback decisions from the respective teams? 
and how will the draft itself impact things going forward? You know, I mean, Baker Mayfield is just so polarizing. All four of these quarterbacks are. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the thing that's tough. I talked to an NFL personnel executive on Friday, and, and you know, he was talking to me about the Browns and said, look, we all have different grades for the quarterbacks. Everyone has the one that they like uh, you know, at, you know, with, you know, among the four, the big four that were selected. But you know, what ends up happening to a number four with a Denzel Ward selection, that one to me was curious because Bradley Chubb, it, you, know, you don't find elite pass rushers very often. And I know the Browns have Miles Garrett, but you, know, you need to have, you know, if you put Bradley Chubb with him, you might have an indestructible pass rush instead. They draft a corner who's a, who's a really nice player, Clay, but I don't think anyone in the NFL says this guy's going to be the next Patrick Peterson, if you know what I mean. And when you're drafting a corner that high, that's what you're expecting because he's really the standard for top five picks and just you know physically being able to just erase a player from a game uh, because he's so much bigger, so much faster, a la Jalen Ramsey, for example, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that was a bit of a, sc- a head-scratcher. Look, the, the teams that needed quarterbacks got them, and that's huge in the AFC East. I mean, and I go back to the East. Clay, think about the, number, the, the types of quarterbacks that have gone against Tom Brady through the years, right? I, I mean, my goodness, well, no wonder the Patriots always have a path to getting that first round by and home field advantage in the postseason. They never really get a stiff challenges from the quarterbacks who are in the AFC East. Well, maybe that will eventually change if Josh Rose and Josh Allen become who they think they are. Hey, look, the, the Cardinals, they fell in love with Josh Rosen. And, 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 you know, talking to Terry McDonough, their personnel director last night, and he said that Mike McCoy told them as soon as he was hired, I will structure my offense around whatever quarterbacks who's going to be starting for us, whatever their strengths are. I mean, he's worked with Tim Tebow before. He's worked with Phillip Rivers before. I mean, so he's, you know, going to structure this around some things that Josh Rosen does well. And I do think Josh is a pro-ready quarterback. There's a lot of Aaron Rodgers, young Aaron Rodgers, in Josh Rosen, a guy who's, who's very confident in himself, maybe someday. that You know, it's already working against him when he talks about the nine guys drafted before him who weren't as good as him and things like that. I, I mean, he, you know, eventually he may learn to quiet down a little bit. But I think the guy's a really intelligent player, has a legitimate shot at making it. So that's where it was with the quarterbacks. I mean, look, you know, there's a couple surprises here and there. Rashad Penny to the Seattle Seahawks, although I understand they were looking for a healthy running back, no one with medical problems back in college, and someone who could play behind a fullback. That's something that he did at SDSU. So I think there's something to look at there. You know, uh, Terrell uh, Edmonds, uh, who goes to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at number 30, uh, the running joke is that they actually thought they were drafting Tremaine Edmonds, but they messed up the cards, and they ended up with a guy who really was regarded as more of a late second, early third round pick of safety, but they take him. I mean, but all in all, I mean, look, I, I think most teams, the scouting has gotten pretty easy, Clay. It isn't like it was back in the old days. Everything, all the reports are just so homogenized, and you get almost the exact same information. You know, now it's just a matter of, okay, where do we have our dots as to who ranks above who? Let's pick some guys. But, you know, by and large, I mean, I, I think pretty much every team ended up getting somebody that's going to help them this season. We're talking to Alex Marvez. Alex, I talked to last hour about what I think is a fallacy in the media and that is this idea that look the NFL ratings are down and have been down the last two years by a combined nearly 20 percent on the games themselves but and this is a big and important key there's also been a counter narrative of look at the NBA it's nipping on the NFL's heels oh the NBA is like it's like everybody it's not enough to criticize the NFL. It's that a lot of people also had to praise the NBA. Right. And I thought this was interesting. I'm curious on your perspective. I'm sure you saw this data. More yeah. people watch the NFL draft. Uh, Friday head-to-head, uh, or Thursday head-to-head, 11, over 11 million people watched the NFL draft. 2.6 million watched the Celtics play against the Milwaukee Bucks. 
on into the weekend, the NFL draft outrated the highest rated first round game in the NF in the NBA in 14 years, game 7 of Pacers Cavs. What does this tell us about where the NFL is relative to the NBA? Well, a couple things about this. Number one, listen, this NFL event, it's become the type of thing that, you know, when it comes to the draft, and I get that with the perspective on the ratings and interest in, in, the, in the league, but remember, there's just such there's so, there's no football in the offseason, right? I mean, this is the most tangible thing you have to the NFL because people aren't watching the NFL scouting combine except for the diehards or people sitting in sports bars or casinos. I mean, let's be real, right? I mean, you know, that's not that's not a made-for-TV. It, it's, a, it's a TV event, but it's not going to draw a huge mainstream uh, viewing. You know, the Reese's Senior Bowl is not going to draw a huge mainstream viewing. Uh, you know, free agent signings, there's no platform for that. This is the only NFL you've got between the end of the Super Bowl and the beginning of the preseason when we're reminded how crappy preseason football is at the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. So all that being said, it doesn't surprise me that there's numbers because it's a, it's a universally appealing thing. There's 32 NFL teams. There's only a couple NBA teams that are playing. The other thing is, Clay, what I, what I don't know, and I need to take a look at this a little bit deeper when more uh, detailed information comes out, the demographics of who's watching what. And listen, as you know, when it comes to advertisers, that's why you have a, young hip, a hip young man like a Jason Martin to help you navigate your way <laughs> through this as, as we get older and curmudgeonly in our way. But, you know, the NBA is, is hip. You know what I mean? It's something that young people are interested in. I can't tell you that pro football is, is heading in that same direction. I think, in fact, you know, some of it is like, eh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're into it, but, we're, you know, the NBA, though, seems to have that vibe right now and seems to be a league on the grow. So, look, the NFL, I mean, they're trying to get this information out there about how they're, they're still kings. And, look, quarterbacks also drive ratings. Let's be real here. There was that. There was a Shaquem Griffin story, which I think drew a lot of mainstream interest as well. People had something there. It was a good draft for the NFL from an interest standpoint. But, you know, I, I do think, though, that the league has been shook, no question about it, by fans just losing interest, and they're trying to bring them back. That's why I think you you also see, too, as much as they'll never say it, no, 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 the anthem, it had, it had nothing to do with everything. Oh, no, they're trying to, they're doing whatever they can to make sure that players aren't kneeling on Sunday so fans aren't tuning out. Always good stuff. Alex Marvez, go follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. We'll talk to you next week, my man. Mahalo, brother. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. He joins us every single Tuesday early in the morning as he gets ready to work out with DeAndre and get his yoga in. He's Petros Papadakis, AM570 Sports, out in Los Angeles. And Petros, I want to begin you with this question. You've got a couple of kids yourself. Yeah. All right? I was at a uh, at the at the Winnipeg Preds game. It is... Uh, I, saw, I saw the photo of you, and there was a guy behind you in white jeans with his legs <laughs> in your back. They looked yes. like two big pillows. He had really big thighs. One of your boys was asleep and the other one was up and at him. Yeah, so we've got three there, the 10, the 7, and the 3-year-old, okay? Uh, the game, if you're not familiar with the game, most people weren't watching the game, but the game is 4-3, there's a minute left, the Preds give up a goal, and it means we're going into extra time. It's a Sunday night game. We watch, you have to wait 15 minutes so they can clean the ice, then you go back out and they play a 20-minute overtime, no score. At that point, my kids revolt and say they are tired, they want to go home. My wife turns to me and says, well, it's your call. We are got another 15-minute wait until we go into a second intermission. What would you have done as the dad in a similar circumstance? Well, I am always for leaving everything yeah. all the time. Like, I, I don't, I'm not a, 
good fan or a true fan or really a fan of anything. I kind of hate everybody. I leave in the <laughs> middle of the last song at every concert to beat people out of the door. So I'm not in a crowd. I, I don't like crowds. You know that about me. So you can't ask an agoraphobe about <laughs> leaving. What do you also, think? I'm, I'm How from would Los you... Angeles. I mean, yes. we're, we're, we are completely and totally notorious for leaving everything you know, way too early and showing up late because of the traffic in this town. So to me, and I have kids who run my life and punch me in the face and yell in my face, and I have a wife that I adhere to who wears me out if I don't. So, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm leaving in the first period. So what do you think? So take it outside of your own experience then. So I left for people out there. We left. I heard the the winning goal with five minutes into the second overtime in my car as I'm driving my kids back home. Who was? Here is, yes, here is the the question. From a dad perspective, not a person without kids because they they don't know, what's your advice to dads when faced with a similar situation? Because it might happen at a Dodger game. It's going into the 12th inning. It's getting late. It might happen at a at an Angels game. It might happen at a football game. And there are lots of times, I think, where dad and mom have to make a decision about late-night sports and the kids are starting to revolt. What are the chances you're going to miss the Kirk Gibson home run or, I mean, you're a probability person, or the the Music City Miracle? What are, what are the chances? I was there for the Music City Miracle, and I will say this: if it's like it's Game Two, I wouldn't. I think I would have been a different position if it were Game Seven, and you knew that whatever happened in that game is going to decide the series. But uh, but in general, you don't bring you don't bring children, toddlers, and and very young children to a game with the expectation that we are going to gnaw on this bone yes. until it's over. You know, if you have, if you're there with your friends and you're drinking, and one of your friends starts throwing up, and you say "f you, man," you stay in the bathroom. We're finishing this. We're going to finish this game. Yeah, that's if you want to be manly about that. That's fine. But when you're with your wife and kids, you have to do what the wife and kids do, and don't take anything. Don't talk about a man card or anything stupid like that. If you field any calls like that, you're just as dumb as those people. Here's a, here's a larger question for you as well. When your wife says it's your decision, does she actually mean it? No, yes. never. never. She means you better do exactly what you know I want to do in this moment. And if you don't know what I want to do in this moment, who the hell are you? So that's one of the first things you <laughs> so learn true. about. You learn that about women when you're a young man. You know, uh, You get the girlfriend and she's mad at you. And you say, you know, what's the matter? You ask her about 100 times. And the first 99 times, she says, nothing. And then the 100th time you ask, what's the matter? She says, if you don't know, then we got a really big problem. (laughs) That is so utterly perfect. And so what do you think? Like the number one suggestion that I got from people who thought that they were like King Solomon splitting the baby here is, I'm not kidding about this. Over 100 people gave me this suggestion. And the first time I got it, I thought, this guy's just got to be a a total lunatic. I want to get your opinion on what would happen here. A bunch of people said, you should have given your wife keys to the car and let her walk with the three kids to the car and drive home, and then you stay and Uber home. I saw this, and I thought to myself, how could any man believe this is the right 
plan. First of all, you're they don't sending, have kids. You're sending your wife and the kids out to walk in a dark city to the car. You know how hard it is to move two young kids, much less three young kids. Are these people real and or have they ever been married for longer than two weeks? They don't have kids. That's R- they just, right. They I mean, don't have kids. It's no big deal. I didn't have kids. I didn't understand. When I had one kid and he slept through the night when I was when we when he was pretty young, I thought I had parenting figured out. You know, he didn't even move. He was in a crib. I was like, huh, I don't know what the matter with these people is. It's easy. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, 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 if you have two kids or no kids at all, there's a distinct difference in your lifestyle. Look, and I'm not a great parent. I get my ass kicked all night. My daughter yells and screams at me. It's part of a routine. Hitting me and yelling and screaming is how she goes to bed and comforts herself. Uh, it's It's horrible. But you can't, you can't, moving children and putting them in a car is the hardest part. You know, sitting in a game is easy. Uh, moving them is difficult. Your listeners are idiots. There's a lot of truth to that, all of that. Um, all right, how did, the, uh, how did the Queen Mary ghost trip uh, L.A. Chargers draft party go? I did a lot of research on this, Clay. First of all, you should know when it comes to yoga. I am outside the class right now. I've been here for 20 minutes. Is it DeAndre? It is- it is DeAndre's final class. He moved to Riverside, which is about an hour and a half drive. And it is his final class in the city of Torrance. And there's going to be 70 Asian chicks in here. <laughs> and and I'm not going to get a space unless I'm here early. <laughs> but it seems as if I've also beaten DeAndre. So I'm concerned <laughs> that he's not going to be here for his final class. Anyway, what will you ask? Oh, about What's your best Mary. pose, by the way? What do you think you do well in the yoga class? Like uh, the lotus? I'm doing is it, better. What do you think I, you do if best? If I told you what I could do and you looked it up, you wouldn't believe me. I'm certain that I would not. What can you do that would blow my mind? Because I'm going to look it up right now. I can do a forearm stand without my head on the ground. That sounds pretty impressive, and I don't even know what it is. I mean, uh, have you always been this flexible? No, I've been doing yoga for about a year and a half, two years, and I've, I've learned every day. Oh, wow, I've I'm looking at this, and every things. person who's doing this forearm stand, first of all, that's incredible. Secondly, everyone who's doing this stand is female. What percentage of your class is female? 80. 80, yeah. Um, and 90% Asian. 90% Asian. Uh, I'm looking right I do see a man. Can you do your leg split yet? Is that the next move? Yeah, I can do that. Wow, I'm actually really impressed. Uh, we're talking, you, t- talking to Petros Papadakis as he gets ready for DeAndre's final class before he moves to Riverside. He uh, has moved to Riverside. All right, but he's come, come back to, uh, to say goodbye. Yes. What uh, was the Queen Mary ghost ship like? I, uh, I did some research, and uh, you'll be happy to know that I don't actually think the boat is haunted. And the whole haunted thing about the ship in, in and of itself I think is not fair. Uh, I read somebody that wrote this, and it was pretty poignant. Uh, it kind of uh, get, gets, uh, gets us away from the actual history of the ship, which is really impressive without the ghosts and the haunting and the paranormal stuff. Uh, the ship was a, a, an escort, a troop, a transport during World War II. It was painted gray. They called it the Gray Ghost. At one point, it severed. Uh, one of its escort boats, and killed 330 sailors and wasn't allowed to stop to pick them up in the water because it had strict orders not to stop ever 
because it was such a big target and was filled with so many Allied troops. It took Allied troops as far as New Zealand. And I think, you know, it's a it's a rotted out ship that doesn't move, that operates at a million dollar loss every year since it started in the early 70s in Long Beach. And it groans and creaks and the electrics all screwed up. And that's why people think it's haunted. That's intriguing. Uh, What about the draft itself? Uh, You know, I could not believe, uh, A, that they would take. I like Baker Mayfield. I really do as a quarterback. And I I think he's a great quarterback. I really do. And I called about five of his games in the last uh, two years. Did you have any Uh, interaction before you even get into that? Did you have any significant interaction with Baker Mayfield during that? And what did you find him to be on a personal basis, if so? uh I found him to be nothing like Johnny Manziel. So yeah. I thought the comparisons there uh, were, were BS. Uh, I thought he was, was not tall. <laughs> yeah. You know, his, his body really, and he's pretty thick, uh, his body's a lot like Drew Brees's. You know, those, those comparisons, but he's a little thicker. Uh, those comparisons are valid. I found him to be an absolute delight. I thought it was hilarious the way he would, bait and taunt his opponents. It was very much a calculated thing and done for the benefit of his teammates, which was told to me by Mike Stoops and Lincoln Riley and everybody I know in Norman. Ooh, DeAndre's showing up. He's walking in. <laughs> uh, and so even day. notwithstanding anyway, that, you were surprised. Uh, I was surprised because, you know, uh, I don't know if Cleveland's just dumb or if this is a new era in the world of the NFL, where two guys that are grossly undersized for their positions, uh, that's not to say they can't play in the NFL or be Hall of Famers, but undersized guys go get, don't get drafted in the first five uh, picks, you know? And we had two of them, and they both went to Cleveland, uh, Ward and, and Baker Mayfield. So uh, that was interesting to me. Uh, Darnold, as you know, was my favorite quarterback in the draft, and it didn't take long for him to go. Uh, Josh Rosen couldn't even fake it for two minutes, which is hilarious. You know, the poor guy just can't help himself, and he came off, I believe, uh, like an ingrate. And I like Josh Rosen. You know, my big problem with Josh Rosen going into this, you know, I don't think you have to be the greatest teammate in the world to be a great quarterback. I, I really don't. Uh, not at that level when you're a pro. But when you have two concussions in 28 days, that's a red flag. And if you can't stay on the field, you can't stay on the field. You know, that's a real thing. It's a real thing in every sport. Uh, ask Blake Griffin or Grant Hill, you know, what that's like. So, you know, to me, that, that, that made him less desirable. But still, I would have taken Rosen second, Darnold first then Mayfield, and then the kid from Wyoming, Josh Allen. But that's not how it plays out, and I'm not a personnel expert either. What about the Dodgers? Let's shift gears here for a minute. You guys have the Dodger games on AM570 out there in L.A. Uh, We've got the news about Corey Seager, I believe. Uh, Yeah, he's out for the year. He's out for the year. And then you got uh, Bellinger getting, uh, I believe, benched for not running hard enough. And the Dodgers are 12 and 16 right now, really disappointing after losing game seven to end the season against the Astros. How would you assess the status of the Dodgers right now? Well, they slept walk through April. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the manager calling out Bellinger, Dave Roberts, is 
interesting, or at least polarizing amongst fans. And then you have the situation where Corey Seager's having Tommy John. He's out for the year. Logan Forsythe is on the DL. Justin Turner's not coming back. He's really their best player. He's not coming back till late May. Rich Hill, the pitcher, is on the DL with an infected finger. Uh, they, they have some serious problems. Yasiel Puig is on the DL because he ran into a wall like the guy from The Natural. Uh, so they have some serious problems uh, right now. And it's not to say they can't turn it around, but it, it, it's been a very disappointing start to the season, coupled with the fact that the team they just got their ass kicked by last night and in two other series, I think, to start the season in their division, the Arizona Diamondbacks are hotter than a pistol, and they've broken like a 100-year-old record as far as winning series to start a season off. So uh, the Dodgers have a lot of ground to make up. Now, granted, there's five months left in the season, and we'll be deep into SEC football by the time it's all said and done, Clay. So, so <laughs> we got a lot. we got a lot of dishes to wash here, but it's been a really bad start. Uh, it's hard to imagine a worse start. You know, Clayton Kershaw is getting his boobs ripped off every time he gets on the mound almost. Uh, it's it's a bad scene. Last question for you before you get to DeAndre to say bye to him before uh, before you never see him again and uh, also do that headstand. Uh, we're talking to Petros Papadakis, AM570 Sports in L.A. I um, can do a headstand. It's not the same. It's not the same. Uh, we have got uh, we have got um, a, a lot of uh, and now now I'm thinking about you in the headstand and I've completely forgotten about what I was going to ask. Oh, Paul George. Paul George is now done. He's been eliminated by the Utah Jazz. Do you think that he is going to come to L.A.? How much interest is there going to be in the in the minute by minute follows of his free agent travails? I think he's going to come to L.A. I don't know if it's going to be the same minute by minute kind of thing that LeBron. Uh, went through. If it is, I think it'll be kind of manufactured. Uh, I, I don't feel a groundswell of excitement for Paul George. I certainly, I think there is excitement, but I don't think it's as significant as it would be, you know, obviously if it was LeBron James. Kawhi Leonard, on the other hand, is a much more interesting thing. And there's been a lot of articles uh, written in town and, and people discussing the fact that the Lakers should give up everything, including Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, if they want him, uh, everybody, uh, when it comes to Kawhi Leonard, to the San Antonio Spurs or whoever wants who, uh, so you can get him. Basically give up the farm and bring those cornrows to Los Angeles. Uh, and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are, are both very interesting uh, prospects as far as L.A. goes because they're both guys – from the area, from the greater uh, Southern California or Los Angeles area, neither of them was highly recruited. You know, both of them kind of misunderstood as players through high school. Uh, they had to go to smaller schools, Fresno State and San Diego State, and uh, they both worked their way up from there and became NBA superstars uh, with a different path, with no offers from USC or UCLA, let alone anybody uh, on 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 the West coast, as far as the PAC 12 goes. So they both have a chip on their shoulder in regards to that. And I think both of those, those stories make the Lakers more attractive to those players. No, no doubt about it. Petros, enjoy the, uh, the yoga. Thanks for getting up early with us. We'll talk to you next week. I don't enjoy it. It's a pride swallowing siege and it's horrible. I just want you to know that I do it because I, I don't know what else to do when I wake up at four in the morning. Join the club.
That's why I do this show. Good for you. It's Petros Pavadakis, uh, AM570 Sports in LA, is with us every single Tuesday in the final hour. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.